Go with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, and I want to um, kind of piggyback or carry on, if you will, from a subject that we began discussing last week. We started talking about faith and uh, functional faith. Amen. Uh, How many of you want faith that works? Come on. Amen. You want faith that works. Nobody wants uh, even what the Bible says, a dead faith. You know, the Bible points to a dead faith. Uh, Dead means unfruitful. Dead means it does not produce the result you intend for it to produce. And so through this uh, teaching, uh, I don't know that it'll be a series. I don't know. I'm just kind of going week to week, seeing what the Holy Spirit wants to say. But last week, what we pointed to was that there is a function of faith and function speaks to operation. Function speaks to what something is designed to do and how it is designed to operate. And many times, if we have the wrong function in mind, we'll come to the wrong conclusion. Amen. I said many times, if we have the wrong function in mind, we'll come to the wrong conclusion. I used the example last week of workout equipment. And if you go into the gym and you don't have any clue what you're doing, or you don't have any clue how a certain machine is supposed to operate, the thing that is supposed to help you will end up hurting you. Why? Because we didn't use it according to its function. You're going to pull something. You're going to break something. It's going to uh, uh, damage you rather than build you. Amen. And so we want a faith that doesn't damage us. I know I've seen plenty of believers that have turned away from the word and turned away from the kingdom and turned away from what God wants for them because they didn't know the function of faith. Because how something operates is what helps us understand the, the goals and the expectations that we should have. Here in Romans chapter 4, speaking of fathers and speaking of Father's Day, uh, we should be honoring this man. We're going to talk about Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. Had many sons. Had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. I'm looking for my Sunday school students in here. Come on, where are you at? Don't see, don't be quiet on me. You know the song. We are all children of Father Abraham, the father of faith, the Bible calls him. And in Romans chapter 4, we kind of get an insight. We get an inside look, a behind the scenes, if you will, at to what allowed Abraham to walk out the promise that God gave him here, beginning with verse 13, Romans chapter four and verse 13, it says, therefore, just as through one man, that's not it. Let's try that again. Romans four, four, verse 13, for the promise, for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. We see here that there was a promise made to Abraham. What was that? God showed up to Abraham. God picked a man that was a far cry from being a father. Not, not just was he a lousy father. He wasn't a father at all. He was beyond the means and the capacity. I love when God loves to pick situations and scenarios and experiences in our lives that are beyond capacity. 
Amen. This verse tells us that it wasn't up to Abraham and it wasn't up to you and I. It wasn't up to man. It was up to God because the one who promises is able to fulfill it. Abraham was 75 years old. He gets a, a, a visit from the Lord himself and he says, you will be a father of many nations. To a 75-year-old man who has not had children and his wife is barren. I'm telling you right now, if you're going to walk in any level of faith, you have to disregard circumstances. You have to disregard what you see. I didn't say deny. I didn't say avoid or ignore. I said disregard. See, there's this, there's this thing about faith that faith shows up when it's least expected. Faith shows up when it is least expected. God never waits for things to begin to turn in his direction to show up and say, hey, here's what I think is going to happen. God will speak to the very moment and God will will put a word in the midst of a scenario that is the exact opposite. In fact, faith is the only attitude that we can have that it is literally the opposite of trusting ourselves. Faith is the one attitude that we all can have. It's one thing to hope, and it's one thing to love when you don't feel like loving and have hope when you don't feel like being in hope for anything. And it's, but, but faith is the one thing that God asks us to build and develop in our lives, but it's literally beyond our control. Because when I'm truly operating and walking in faith in God's word or something that God has spoken, I cannot look inward and begin to see how I can make that happen. It, it, it's in direct contrast, direct contradiction to what I can do. And you see this throughout God's word. We have a book that is full of individuals that submitted their lives beyond their own capacity and beyond their own ability to what God's word says. Here we have Abraham. We've got other examples like Moses. Moses is going to lead the, the Israelites out of Egyptian slavery. But the, there's a problem. He's a murderer. There's a problem. He's a coward. He ran away. There's a problem. He can't even talk right. How's he going to go to Pharaoh with any level of boldness and any level of ability to, to uh, 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 persuade Pharaoh to let the people go with a stuttering and a stammering voice? How is he supposed to do that? God will find the people that are the direct opposites, the, the, the people that nobody would pick, because that's where faith is born. Many of us only spend time looking at the contradiction and never spend any time looking at the expectation. And what God is trying to develop here with Abraham is he's giving him a promise that is far beyond his capacity to fulfill it. 
We keep on going here in verse 14. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Basically, what he's saying here is if, if, if faith were up to your ability, that's what the law was. The law was man's ability to do something. And that obviously did not work. The law didn't save anybody. The law did not have the power to set you free. It only had the power to identify what the problem was. And that's how most of us live, is only merely identifying what the problem is, but never recognizing where the power comes to change the problem. The problem is sickness and disease. The problem is financial lack. The problem is anxiety. The problem is doubt. The problem is fear. But we don't know how to change it. And he says here, if you could do it on your own, you wouldn't need faith. It would be made void of no effect. The promise made of no effect because the law brings about wrath for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Basically, he's saying that if you never reach your limit, you would never have to rely on God to do anything. If the law, your ability to get right, if man could get right on on his own, we wouldn't need to believe in Jesus by faith through grace, is what he's saying. It's only when you recognize your limitation that we can truly operate in God's ability. Are you hearing me? If you've reached the end of your road... Good. Now God can start. If you've run out of capacity, good. Now God can do what he's supposed to do. If you've reached the end of your limit and you've maxed yourself out, good. Now it's time for God to start showing his faithfulness and his strength and his ability in your inability. When you become weak, he becomes strong. But as long as you keep trying to figure it out on your own, we never give God the opportunity to prove who he is and what he can do. Your limitation is your greatest asset. Your limitation is where God wants to start. Amen. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace. I love that word grace because that grace is God's empowerment on my life. That's what grace is. Grace isn't a band-aid that covers up wrongs and sins and and just allows us to go about our lives and and go about our day and and just, well, grace has got it. God's, God's given us grace. God's given us, no, grace is God's empowerment to live above it. So he says it's by faith through grace. It's by my ability to believe in who he is and what he can do and his empowerment On my life that allows me to see the promise come to pass. Anybody got any promises you're standing on? You got to start there. You have to start. Some of us have lost sight of the promise. And when you lose sight of the promise, you have no reason to put another foot in front of the other. You got to get your promise back. I said, you got to get your promise back. For 25 years, Abraham had to stand on a promise. How long are you willing to stand? How long are you willing to stand on a promise? How long are, in this day and age of a microwave culture where we got to have everything right now and we've got to have our finished, completed project immediately, you'd better be able to learn how to endure. Better learn how to keep your promise in front of you. Faith takes focus. Faith demands focus. Focus. 
Think about Abraham five years in. Think about Abraham ten years in. You still believing for a kid? It's been 15 years, Abraham. What's your problem? You ain't seen it yet. Maybe you need to get a different promise. Maybe you misheard God. Maybe you misunderstood. No, sometimes you just got to stand. Sometimes it's not what you understand. It's just what you stand on. You've got to stand on the word. You don't need another new word. You don't need God to to reinforce it. You don't need God to come down and show you a different. You just need to reinforce the word that God has already given you. Get the promise in front of you. If you don't have the promise written down, if you don't have it as a screensaver on your phone, if you're not talking about it, if you're not sharing it, if you're not keeping the vision in front of you, you will find yourself wandering Wandering. There's a difference between wandering in the wilderness and heading towards your promise. Abraham's waiting 25 years to see this promise come to pass. It is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure. Sure. That word sure is translated certain. Certainty. Faith is a certainty. Faith is an assurance. Faith is grounded. Faith does not waver. Faith doesn't say, well, what if? Faith doesn't say, well, it didn't, that, that didn't work there, so maybe I've got to do something. No, faith is a certainty. Steadfastness in the midst. It, faith has never, since the beginning of time, faith has never been limited by external circumstances. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And what did he do? He spoke and he said, let there be light. That was the first time faith ever showed up in this planet. And the same faith that was available to say, let there be light and there was light, is the same faith available to us today. God hasn't changed it. God hasn't dumbed it down. God hasn't diminished the value of faith. He is still, the Bible says when Jesus returns, he's going to go and he's going to say, will I find faith? Not people praying, not, not people hoping and wishing. He says, will I find faith? Will I find faith in the earth? Why? Because I started this thing out in faith. I've got to end it in faith. See, it's, it's one thing to start in faith. It's another to finish in faith. Uh, Paul said, I have finished my race. You, you got to be fit to run a race. You, you, did you know that? I went running yesterday. Shouldn't have, but I did. But I did. You got to be fit to run. We've got to have fit faith. Your faith can be developed. Your faith can be worked. It says it might be sure, it might be certain to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. That's you and I, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you 
I have made you a father of many nations. God loves to talk in conclusion to what has not even been started. He said, I've made you a father of many nations before anything ever showed up. God will always talk from the end of a thing. God, God is the worst at spoiler alerts. He will show you what it's going to look like, and he will show you the end, and he'll show you how it's going to look when it's all finished and completed before you ever even get started. Just so you know, he's the one that's doing the work. He, he's the one that is moving and working in your life. And when it's against all circumstance, that's when he starts to talk about what it's going to look like. Spoiler alert. Maybe I should title this. Spoiler alert. You have been made a father. What he's saying is, is look, you're going to have a child, but it's not even going to stop there. See, God only needs one promise to get everything else going. You're going to be a father of many nations. It's going to start with Isaac. It's going to start with you. That's all I need. Watch this. It says, in the presence of whom he believed, God, who gives life, to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. What are you calling it? What are you calling it? Keep your finger there in Romans chapter 4 and jump over to Hebrews chapter 11. We need to understand how this faith functions. Functional faith, a faith that works, not just a not just a knowing and, and not just a, a, a believing and not just, uh, you know, coming to church and hearing a bunch of scriptures and reading a bunch of work. That's not what God intended. You know that there are workouts that are called functional workouts, like they're 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 movements and workouts that are designed to actually help you in life. Like. You know, working out is good, but there are functional movements like CrossFit and all these other different ones that I hate and that I abhor and that I would never, ever want to go and, uh, you know, put myself through such horrible treatment. But they are to help you just live life, get your heart rate up and all this different. The movements are normal movements that you would make in life. Functional. Because why waste my time building something I'm never going to use? See, that's, that's, that's the thing about faith is people want great faith, but they don't want the great trials that develop great faith. We want great faith. God, I believe you. But don't put me in a scenario where I have to believe you. Don't put me in a position where I have to actually use the faith that I'm developing. Because you know what happens when you just make a bunch of deposits and there aren't any withdrawals. You just get fat. We just get fat when we pour in, but we never put out. We never, we never put ourselves in an opportunity to use what we develop. If you want to develop faith, get prepared to use faith. Get prepared to put it into action. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not 
seen. For by it, by what? By faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. You know what that means? It wasn't a good testimony. It, by faith, they obtained a good testimony. You obtain what you want by faith before you have it. If you want a good testimony, then you've got to have a good testimony when all you have is a bad testimony. You've got to talk about what you want it to be more than what it is. You've got to see what God says rather than just seeing what you see. Well, that takes a different set of eyes. That takes a different set of eyes. There's a difference between sight and vision. Sight is seeing what it is. Vision is seeing what it will be. Do you live by sight or do you live by vision? Sight is what it is. You ever heard someone say that? It is what it is. I heard a comedian joke about that one time. He says, you never hear someone make that statement in, about something positive. I won the lottery. It is what it is. No, you always make that statement. It is what it is about something negative. It's raining again. It is what it is. Bank account's empty. It is what it is. Got the doctor's report. It is what it is. It can be. It, it, it is what it is. But, but here's my question. Is it what you want it to be? Because you, you are the determining factor of what you look at. You control what you look at. Do you just look at what it is? Do you just look at what your marriage looks like today? Do you just look at what your bank account looks like today? Or do you see vision? It is what it is, but it's not what it seems. It's not what God is going to intend it to be. And I'm going to make sure I get from sight to vision. For by it, the elders attain a good report. By faith, we understand that the world's, the worlds were framed, watch this, not by the actions of God, not by the work of God. It says that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So what are you framing it? Underneath this stage is a frame to make sure that as I'm standing up here, I don't cave in and fall beneath or that all this stuff is able to be held up. It's even framed so well that you can't hear it creak and squeak as I'm on it. The frame, the frame is just as important as the image. The frame is just as important as the picture. It says that the worlds were framed by the word of God. You can put it this way. It's not what you say, but it's how you say it. We just saw that, that, that God calls those things to be not as though they are. To be not as though they are. That, that's God speaking contrary to what it is. It is what it is. But what are you speaking to it? 
What are you calling it? He says that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Some of us are just so led by sight and live so moved by what we see that we only expect things that are seen to change what is seen. And God is trying to change our expectation that we rely on something that cannot be seen to change what is seen. There is something that you cannot see that God wants to use to change what you can see. And that's called faith. Faith is living in what you cannot see. Go back over to Romans chapter 4. The worlds were framed by the word of God. God, uh, it says here that he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Now, look what it says in verse 18 about Abraham, who contrary to hope, in hope, believed. That's a really weird statement. Contrary to hope, against hope. It contradicts my ability to hope. What is he saying? He's saying that Abraham had to rely on a supernatural hope, a hope that was beyond human capacity. It got, see, this is not a hope like, well, I, I hope I can have kids one day. That doesn't work when you're 75 years old and your wife is barren. You haven't been able to have children. That's not going to work. Just a mere man-made ability, natural ability to hope is not going to get the job done. But contrary to hope, in a situation that was hopeless, he believed in hope. In hope. In hope of what God's word could do. You need to get your hopes up. Usually people tell us, don't get your hopes up. But God is saying, get your hopes up. Because if you can hope for it, and if you can believe it, you can see it. You can speak to this mountain, and it will be removed and cast into the sea. You shall have whatever you say. That's what the Bible says. So why speak anything different? Why say anything? See, here's the thing. You only see what you say. What are you calling it? Because your word is framing your world. It's building the framework by which your world is built upon. Faith has a voice. Faith has a voice. And let me, just, let me just say this. If this is hard for anybody today, let me just say this. The same energy you use for fear is the same energy you use for faith. Faith and fear are both built on expectation. They both work the same way. Well, I just, I don't know if I can have faith. Well, you can have fear. Because I hear you speaking the other thing. I hear you speaking the what if it happens or what if it doesn't happen based on the scenario. So just use that same energy towards what if it doesn't happen. Well, what if it does? 
Well, what if they don't get healed? Well, what if they do get healed? Well, what if, what if we can't pay the bill? What if you can't pay the bill? It's the same energy. It's the same effort. You're just so honed in on what you see that you won't allow faith to create a vision of what you can say. Because it's always easier to say what it is than what it can be. That's easy. Anybody can point to the wall and say it's black. Anybody can say what it is. It takes people of faith that can start speaking what they know it can be. That's called faith. I see people all the time use their energy. Struggling in faith, but using the same effort and using the same energy and using the same capacity to build faith in fear. Right? Because God has a word and the devil has a word. And it's all a matter of which word you agree with. It's all a matter of which word you allow to come out of your mouth. Because the devil may plant the thought, but you don't have to allow it to come back through your mouth and speak it back into the situation. You, you have the opportunity to thwart that thought. You have the opportunity to thwart that word. You have the opportunity to stop it right there. You can say, devil, no further. It will not, I will not dwell on those thoughts. I will dwell on your word. I will not think about what happens if my marriage goes under. I will not uh, focus on what happens if this sickness takes over my body. I will not allow my mind to become anxious and worried and concerned about what happens if the devil wins. I'm going to start thinking about what happens if God wins. That's, it's the same energy. If you can live in fear, you can live in faith. Let that encourage someone today. If you can live in what, it can't, what can't happen, you can also live in what can happen. If you can live in seeing what it currently is, you can live in seeing in what God has called it to be. It's up to you. It's up to us. God, it's amazing. God gave us that authority. God gave us the ability to dictate and determine what we focus on. I don't live by what I see. I live by what I can't see. That's faith. That is faith. Contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. Happy Father's Day, Abraham. According to what was what? Spoken. Spoken. The power of God's word in his mouth is the same power of God's word in my mouth. He's no respecter of persons. If Abraham could be firmly persuaded and if abraham could stand on the promise that god brought to him then i can stand on the promises that god's word brings to me if he would do it for abraham he'll do it for me if he'll do it for moses he'll do it for me if he'll do it for jesus he'll do it for me if he do it for paul he'll do it for me if he would do it in matthew mark luke and john he'll do it right now today he's not a, a, a respecter of time he's not a respecter of culture he's not a respecter of age he's not a respecter 
respecter of, of individual. He is only a respecter of his word. If the word works for them, the word works for me. The same power of the word in God's mouth is the if he could speak and say, let there be light and there was light, then I can speak by faith and it will produce the result. That's what it's telling me. According to what was spoken. Now let's keep going. So shall your descendants be. Look at verse 19. And not being weak in faith. Look, if you can be weak in faith, you can be strong in faith. I have found this. People that are deficient in faith are deficient in the word. People that are deficient in faith are deficient in the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith doesn't come by praying. God, just give me more faith. It doesn't come that way. Faith doesn't come by getting on your hands and knees and crying out and saying, God, I want to believe you. Just give me faith. He's saying, go to my word. The word of God is your greatest resource for faith. If you want to get strong in faith, go to the word. Get in the word. Get the word for your situation. But if you're deficient in the word of God, you will be deficient in faith in the word of God. For faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Feed your faith. Mama Myrna says, feed your faith, starve your fears. Whichever one you feed the most gets stronger. Come on, are we going to be faith people? You can't be a faith person and not be a word person. You can't be a faith person and not have a Bible that's written in, highlighted, starred, underlined. You better get in this word. You better know the word. You better not just get in the word, but get the word in you. Abide in me and my words abide in you. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. We've got to get back to the word. Yeah, it's quiet because there's not a value for the word of God like there should be in 2018. But I'm telling you right now, you cannot be the church of the living God and not have a value for this. This should be read daily. And I'm not talking just a little scripture that your phone shoots to you, your little verse of the day. I'm talking getting in the word. I'm talking about meditating on the word. I'm talking about being a disciple of the word, a learner and a studier. He said, study to show yourself approved unto God. Study, not just hear, not just read. I'm talking be a disciple of the word of God. We, we offer Bible reading plans, annual Bible reading plans that will allow you to read through the entire Bible. Genesis to Revelation in one year. That, that, that should be the bare minimum. I tell people that the, the reason we have those is because the way you, do, you build a desire for the word is by getting in the word. I can't tell you anything that will make you want to go to the word. You got you to do it for yourself. 
It's not explained, it's experienced. And, and we, we have lived, we, we've lived in a culture too long where we are spoon-fed the word on Sundays, but we haven't developed the ability to... And no wonder we're such a faith-starved generation today. I mean, I grew up in a faith culture. I grew up where this kind of stuff was taught and believed and preached on the regular. I I come from a great background. I've got a great legacy of faith that has gone on before me. And it will not die with me. I've seen faith work. I've seen faith produce results. I've seen faith change people's lives. You can't even come into the kingdom without faith. That's how necessary it is. Faith is not optional for the believer. Well, I'm just not one of those faith people. Well, then you're not a believer. How are you going to live in a world without faith? How are you going to live the kingdom life? How are you going to produce kingdom results? Man, we've, we've got to strengthen ourselves. We've got to feed our faith. It says not being weak in faith. Well, Abraham didn't have a Bible. He had a word. This is what I've learned, man. You, you may not have anything, but if you have the word, you've got everything. I would rather have the word and nothing else than everything else without the word. Are you hearing me? I'd rather have the word more than a banker. I'd rather have the word more than a doctor or the next dose of medication. I'd rather have the word than friends. I'd rather have the word than support. I'd rather have word. I need the word of God. We need a church and we need a culture that needs the word of God. And you'll find out that you won't live by everything else when you start living by the word. Not being weak in faith. He did not consider his own body. What are you considering? We're just pulling out some principles here from Father Abraham, the father of faith. What are you considering? See, people that walk in faith and and live a life of faith. They don't have options. They don't have options. Faith is the only option. And the worse it gets, the greater opportunity for my faith to do its work. He didn't consider his own body already dead. Past tense. Already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God through what? Unbelief. Unbelief. But there it is, was strengthened in faith. Strengthened in, I, I, I don't know how to make it any more clear. If Abraham can do it, 
you can do it. If he would fulfill a promise to Abraham, he will fill he will fulfill a promise to you. But but look at the responsibility Abraham has. Faith is not just getting on your hands and knees or getting in your prayer closet and then, you know, all that you do is just cry out to God, hope that he hears you and then steps in and changes your situation. Abraham is a participator. He's a cooperator. Look at what he's doing. First off, we see uh, that he is not weak in faith. We see that he does not consider his own body or the lack of the situation. We see that he does not waver at the promise through unbelief. This is all on Abraham. This isn't God. This is Abraham. We see that he is strengthened in faith. And look at this next one. This is a big one. This will really tell you where your faith is at. Giving glory to God. Not when it's all said and done. Before you ever see it. Can you give glory to God before you ever see it? So many times we we find ourselves, when it comes to faith, in a reactive state. Just merely reacting. But God gives us a picture of faith that is more proactive than reactive. Faith will cause you to do things that you're only supposed to do when you get the answer. Faith will cause you to say things, do things that don't make any sense in the process. But it says that he's giving glory to God. Not when I get my miracle. I give glory to God to get my miracle. When's the last time you shouted, praised, worshipped, thanked, showed gratitude before you got it? Mark chapter 11 tells us that we are to believe that we receive when we pray. Not when we get it. When we pray. Believe that you receive when you pray. See, faith isn't creating something. Faith is moving something. Faith doesn't create healing. Healing has already been provided 2,000 years ago on the cross. You just need to move it from the unseen realm to the seen realm. How do I do that? How do I access the unseen realm and move things that I'm believing for out of the unseen realm into the seen realm? Through praise. Giving glory to God. 
Because if you really believe that you got what you were praying for, when you pray for it, you wouldn't have to wait to see it in tangible manifestation right before your eyes to start shouting and giving glory. And there's a lot of times that we are asking God for things that he's already provided. And when somebody does something for you, you thank them. You don't ask for them to keep doing it. Yeah? Are you hearing me? Why go to God and say, God, please heal my body 20 times when he did it the first time? You, now you should thank him for healing your body. Thank you for bringing health to my body. You sent your word and you healed them and you delivered them of their diseases. Thank you for the healing. I don't need to wait to see it in manifestation. I don't need to feel better to know that healing is at work in my body. I thank you that the healing is on the way. You're moving it from the unseen into the seen realm of my body. I thank you. I praise you. I'm not asking again. You ask one time and you thank the rest. I don't need to go to God and and say, God, uh, I I really need healing. Because he's saying, yeah, I got it the first time. It's on its way. Believe that you receive when you pray. If I really believe that I receive, I'll start thinking. It says he gives glory to God. And then it says this, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to. To perform fully convinced that what he had promised, what has God promised you? Are you fully convinced? Or are you 90% convinced? Or are you 50% convinced? 25%? No, it says fully convinced. We've got to be fully convinced. That he who promised is able. The promise is what he wants to do. The performance is what he can do. The promise is what he wants to do. See, there's two questions that come up when we, when we begin to live by faith. Will he and can he? Will God do it? Can. Because what good is it if he wants to do it if he can't? And what good is it if he could, but he won't? I need, I need God to show up on both levels. I need a God that can, and I need a God that will. And I thank God that Jesus, he said many times, I will. I am able. I can. I will. See, I've got to go to God's word, and I've got to find out what, is, what can God do, and what will he. Because there are some things he won't do. Like, he won't renew my mind. That's my responsibility. He left that one up to me. So I can't pray to God, God, please renew my mind. I'm tired of having all these thoughts that are against your word. I I need a refreshing in my mind. He won't do it. He said, you renew your mind, and you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There are some things that he won't do. There are some things that he can't do. He can't go back on his word. 
God is sovereign. He can do whatever he wants. No, he can't. He can only do what his word has declared. That's it. He can't go back on that. So when the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and then in Matthew chapter 16, he says, and I'm giving to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Guess what? He can't take the keys back. (laughs) Give me those keys. He can't do it. The keys belong to the church. He's waiting for the church to use the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. And whatever we loose on earth is, is loosed in heaven. Heaven's not even doing anything until we've done our part first. See, this is so important as believers. So important as believers that we learn who we are, what our identity is, what belongs to us, and how we live this faith life in the kingdom of God. 